Hello, and welcome to the Planetary Regeneration Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory Landaway. In this episode of the Planetary Regeneration Podcast, I'm speaking with John Clippinger, and we just jump right into it. Um, apologies for the listeners, we basically jump in mid-sentence, because, um, I mean, John is just a brilliant guy, and his mind is going a mile a minute, and, and that's about as fast as this uh, podcast unfolds. And so you'll um, see we sort of span the breadth of um, thinking about self-sovereign identity and the role of non-fungible tokens. Um, again, the, the theme of this is really around the, the, a, a focus on healthy technology. And, and as you'll note, uh, we're still in sort of a sequence here in the Planetary Regenera- Regeneration podcast of delving into um, what I would consider to be a very interesting and um, optimistic uh, movement, countercurrent, within the larger sort of um, technology movement towards decentralization, um, using technologies such as blockchain, but but I think it's a more broad movement than that, much more broad movement than that. And just thinking about um, what are the boundary conditions to have a healthy approach in today's day and age to um, do true cost accounting, to um, to create transparency where it's needed and to, to preserve privacy where it's needed and to really do uh, a great job of designing um, the tools that will um, serve people and the planet. And so, um, again, that's the theme of this conversation. Um, I had a lot of fun with John. Um, John's become a, a good friend over the last couple of years. Um, you can find out more about John's work. Um, he's a co-founder of the Token Commons and Switch, and a member of the MIT Media Lab, um, and has written several great books from Bitcoin to Burning Man. And um, yeah, he's been doing great work in the world, and I was really grateful to have a chance to have him on the podcast, and uh, also look forward to having more conversations with John in the future. So uh, I hope you enjoy this one. I sure did. ...are taking place, and we have to respond within a short period of time. So I'm talking about this 2030 uh, countdown, and there's a fast track to 2030, and we're organizing a whole set of initiatives at MIT around this, actually spinning off a company to actually uh, build out part of that infrastructure, but also do thought leadership in the sense that, say, MIT should be able to say, this is the state of climate change. This is what we're seeing. This is the extinction. This is the ocean. These are the real facts. And how close are we to addressing these things? And do the same thing with respect to the social equity issues and, this, and, and, the, and the financials. And so we're having a, a, you have like an annual meeting where you're trying to uh, identify how, what these targets are that we have to, to sort of counter. It's like the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, journal that they had the clock, the doomsday clock, the tick down. It's, right. It's not a, you know, you sort of have two hands here. You are one, the environmental and the other, the social and it's saying, okay, how can we push that back? What are the interventions we can have and what are the most effective ones? And, 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 and then look at various companies and activities that are taking place to see how well they advance it and what's the kind of infrastructure and what kind of assumptions we have to let go of. 
in order to do that. So I very much think about what you're doing in Regen Network as being a part of that whole ecosystem. I also think that you're, you're way ahead of a lot of people's thinking in terms of sort of ecological services. They're starting to catch up. Mm. So the question is, how do we start to build up those infrastructures in those business cases uh, that allow uh, people to sort of, sort of you know, plug into that perspective of creating an ecological economy? Yeah. Uh, and, on, and then how do we advance the research again to say, we, we, something we talked about and say, well, okay, if you have regenerative practices, what kind of carbon capture can you do? What things look good? What things don't look good? What things have to be changed? But do this on an annualized basis. And what we'd like to do is get MIT to host a lot of this, or the MIT uh, Technology Review. Um, the, it is, it's gotten a lot better in my mind. And uh, so you really have this sort of really hard scientific way of looking at things and science critiques itself and says these models are good, they're not good. Be really candid about it. But, you know, in my view, we really have, you know, like 10 years to absolutely change how, how we think about our economy and our society. I mean, yeah. and, and people don't, you know, people say, yeah, and then they just don't know what to do in a, in a, in a state of paralysis. So one of the things that I sent you in, in the Jefferson Compact was a bit, it built on something I did before, like the Windhover principles, in which we organize people here to talk about giving people control of their data and their identity and stuff. And that sort of took hold in some form. But here, it's, it's sort of anticipation of the Bretton Woods event that you're not going to be going to, but, um, and trying to, to give a different look to it. Um, and uh, Galea, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that you, is, it a, is, is it a celebrity event that's tainted by the, the Peter Thiels of the world, the libertarian mentality, um, or are we really going to be stick true to, to the uh, Eleanor Ostrom? and the whole idea of a commons and but an ecological commons and how to reframe our economy in these terms. And, it's, it, and, um, and then provide concrete ways in which we can do that and transition capital from traditional, from the fossil economy into this new economy and create the, the right set of financial incentives. So the, 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 the motivating piece for this, um, was the recognition that, the, that, that there's a failure in the federal government to perform its task. Yeah. That it, it, is, it, is, it is retreating from it, it's imposing an authoritarian system, and then within the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment, you have certain rights of where the government doesn't perform, the states can assert themselves. Right. And, uh, and they can form their own set of, of cooperatives and networks, and sort of next generation mechanisms, both not only governance mechanisms, but also uh, mechanisms for this is where a, a token comes in. I would like to have, I call it 10th Amendment token. I don't think that's the right term. It, it's too provocative. Uh, but it's, it's something that's done with proof of sustainability or ecological ability and, and social equity. And so when you have verification of that, then, then you, 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 can, you, you can issue those tokens, build those assets up, and those become the reserve tokens to fund a lot of other things. So you're what you're really trying to do is create an alternative economy that's providing, that is generating more value, sustainable value and resilience than the traditional economy that will suck in the fiat and keep it in that, in that network. So, uh, so this is really exciting. Let's back up a little bit so that our listeners can get a kind of a, a clearer sense because yeah. I think there's sort of like a pretty dense bundle of really yeah. interesting yeah, threads. It, I tend um, to do that, yes. So, um, 
I mean, I don't, where, where should we start? I mean, I think let's start with, um, well, can I just say maybe the, the, the key concept is the, the industrialized state as, as a unit of organization is a product of a period of time. It's a product of scale. It's historically situated in a industrial revolution, you know, where you have uniformity of things. You have the, it's an extractive mentality, mm -hmm. all of which worked at a certain point in time. It mm -hmm. does not work. It does not scale. It's, it's just the opposite. I mean, there's there's a, a genuine recognition that we can't get there from here using right. it. No ladders to the moon, guys. It won't work. We have to rethink our fundamental organization. And I think a lot of this whole decentralization movement, the intuitions behind that, and in, 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 in being able to model ourselves after complex evolutionary processes, that are that are highly resilient and, and uh, robust are, are become really more than just guiding metaphors, but actually principles of organization. So, so this initiative, um, this you're calling it the Jefferson the Jefferson Compact. The Jefferson Compact is essentially kind of it sounds like it's bringing some of the principles and techniques of the sort of decentralized technology right. movement. Right. to the, the sort of state-level politics in the United right. States and saying, hey, here's some opportunities to take leadership, to assert sovereignty, to, yes. to even beyond sovereignty, to, to create cooperative sort of Networks. public right. benefit, um, yes. you know, to care for, for the commons, as it absolutely. were. And, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And, and so there were those, those intuitions were built into the Constitution in some sense because... There was always this, this conflict between the states' rights and federalism and how much power you de delegate to the state and how much you hold. And what right does a state have to usurp certain rights uh, in order to function effectively? And when they abrogate that responsibility, it was in the Tenth Amen uh, Amendment of the Constitution. It basically says those things the state does not perform, that they, they, they perform well, that can be performed by the, the, the states, the federal does not perform well, can be performed by the states. Also, the Ninth Amendment, which was sort of uh, difficult to sort of read between the lines, basically says those things that are rights that, that are currently articulated can be re-articulated and systematized and enumerated as is appropriate to the time. So it, it's really, at least my interpretation is, I'm no constitutional lawyer, and I'm bouncing this off of some people, is that there were there are provisions made in the Constitution that say, look, we didn't think of all these things ahead of time. Yeah, the world's going to change. Well, boy, is it changed. And and when push comes to shove, the 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 power to interpret that actually rests with the states. Yes, and the people, the legitimate states, is it's the people of the states, and the states are closest to the people. So you, it is, it is the sort of subordination. It's 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 giving the 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 delegating powers that you 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 want to keep them as close as the people as There's possible. Sort of a sense of subsidiarity already. Yeah, subsidiarity. That was the word I was looking for. Yes, yeah, exactly. Makes sense the, the yeah. Constitution of the United States here. Yeah. Right. So, but you also have techniques and mechanisms by which to start to articulate these things and make these things function. So I I think there's a technology basis that 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 actually can put into effect a lot of these concepts and create. I mean. 
rather than having rights be sort of a, a lot of our rights are declared in terms of processes rather than outcomes. Mm-hmm. In other words, and so, yeah, you have the right to vote, but does that mean, is that real democracy or is real democracy having you have food over your head, you have children care for, you have wellness, you have these, it, those are means to an end. Um, and I think that by being able to measure outcomes and evaluate techniques vis-a-vis outcomes, you create a more rigorous accountability to to whether something's quote democratic or not, and mm-hmm. that and that and and again we're starting to be able to do that. Um, and yeah, I mean that's fundamentally, I would say that's essentially the the scaffold that Region Network is working on creating in relationship to ecological outcomes and claims and agreements. Is that saying right. like, hey, th- there's a fundamental need to be able to make make and audit claims about how well something is working that is doesn't currently exist but could if absolutely i mean what i'm hearing you say is that that same kind of approach can actually be brought to governance and our like the social fabric of how we're relating and governing our society i I think it has to be i mean i i I think they go together and so that was not going to be taken up at the federal level by a federal government but you can have different states who were recognized in, in the 10th Amendment as being, quote, the laboratories of democracy, is what Louis Brandeis called them, states, so that they can come together to run these experiments and make mistakes and, and revise them in sandboxes, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. in order to have accelerate the innovation uh, in order to address these fundamental changes that we have to do in a very short period of time. And different states may have different textures and different flavors of this that they want, but it can't, it will, it is not, I, I don't believe it's not achievable in its current form. Now, now let me be devil's advocate for a moment. Um, do you, do you see evidence that there are states that are willing to step up and embrace yeah, uh, and where is the evidence? Where are the states that are maybe already doing this and not calling it, you know, the Jefferson Compact? What's the, what are the signs that are inspiring to you that this? Well, I mean, I, I think one of the it, you're seeing this in the western states, particularly. I mean, certainly in California, uh, in the sanctuary cities, and the various mayors are declaring themselves and also declaring their own policy vis-a-vis climate change. So they're they're ex- absolute declarations, and then their declarations of human rights that they're, they're, they're saying vis-a-vis what's happening, immigrants are being treated. Um, so there's a real breach in terms of, of what uh, the, is now being asserted by the, the, the move towards authoritarianism um, that the states are resisting in certain states. I think California is a key element. I've talked to people, you know, it's the sixth largest economy in the world. Uh, so it, it, that if you can, and, and Newsom, Governor Newsom is partial to this. So there's, so we have certain connections into that, that world. Also, it's tied into the Silicon Valley world. It seems like if you could get Texas on board with this, which would be, has yeah. a very strong sort of like uh, independent, sovereign, don't mess with Texas kind of attitude, which is conveniently kind of the, op- the opposite political propensity as California, um, but provides an opportunity to have two different experiments and say, hey, guys, that's actually the point. 
The point isn't. For I, I think that's quite, quite on the mark. You're quite yeah. on the mark. And so what people will say, I was like, John, this is a bunch of, you're getting a bunch of blue states against red states. And I said, I don't want to do it that way. And I do think in Texas, there could be receptivity to this. I mean, it, one of the things that I found really mind bending, and I didn't know how to deal with it, was that uh, one of the people working for uh, Switch uh, Business Development, her husband is Ted Cruz's uh, campaign director or something like that. And I did this piece on NFT, non-fungible tokens. Well, he loved it. He said, Cruz, I said, well, I'm not prepared to go there yet. But the fact that that was picked up, because uh, the non-fungible tokens is another way of it getting sort of self-organizing governance around being able to do fake news and things like that and having genuinely a new, a new approach. So I agree with you that the positioning of this thing is to diffuse the the division, the, the divisiveness, because... Uh, and I think you could do something, I certainly could do something in the New England states. That, that's a sort of a no-brainer. Massachusetts would be the same way. You had the major cities would be the same way. They all recognize, you know, the, the other thing is the economic comparative, that we're moving to a new economy. So you're going to create new kinds of jobs. There, there's, I think, a very strong financial argument to be made that there are new kinds of asset classes that you're creating that are resilient under the, these shocks. And that if you believe that these things are going to happen, there are these shock effects, then you want to be in those asset classes that not only are, are sort of hedged against it, but also quite liquidity and preserve purchasing power within this new network. I so think how, how, how does this relate as a vision of sort of uh, change to, for instance, uh, the Green New Deal work that's well i mean the green deal media is 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 i, I it, it, it's very unfortunate to to sort of summon up you know a and and a an fdr it's a new deal a, a big government model i mean i i, I and so and then what they're going to say is then we're how are we going to tax people to do it and how it goes through a traditional mechanism i think what i i, I appreciate by the new green deal is the need to accelerate and recognize climate change as a priority and invest in it and and, and a positively create new jobs new economy i think the new green the new green deal is 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 still you know it, it's like new deal economics the big governments the governments to help you that's not what we're talking about and, so and I, tying I, that back to sort of like keynesian economics what's happening at the global uh economic visioning at, at Bretton Woods you know and and how you know and and just like i'd love to get your thoughts on i mean maybe i'll maybe give me a moment just sort of this is i don't know if no, this no, is gotcha. thought yeah. but let me give me a moment to sort of go in a circle around something right, i'd right. love to get your thinking about this so um I was recently, like today, I, I was listening to a little podcast, uh, Eric uh, Weinstein's new podcast, um, and he's interviewing Peter Thiel, who he, you know, he's the he's yeah. investment manager of Thiel Capital or whatever. And uh, I have to say, I was pretty dis I, I, I'm, oh, I'm about an hour into the podcast. I'm pretty disappointed in both of them at the moment. But anyway, that aside, one of the particular points that I, I think is salient is um, this sort of like how people are framing the left versus rightness yeah. in the conversation that we're having um, instead of being precise about where the 
decision-making, sovereignty, um, like in whom does it rest? What is the strategy? How is this happening? You know, it's like, and, and I think that's something about what you're talking about, which oh, is- yeah. no, this is right at the heart. It's right at the heart. import this sort of like FDR New Deal-ness into the present time, and, well, and it gets conflated with this very confusing, like, like, for instance, I hear people say all the time that Silicon Valley is leftist. And, and I laugh because I'm like, look, if you look at their actual politics, yeah. they're avoiding taxes. Oh, they're yeah. Not, they're dismantling, they're actively dismantling, like, the government's ability to protect common good. Oh, yeah. oh no, there's but no... But then on the other side, there's this facade of sort of like, gay rights and other stuff, which not to say that, that those aren't important conversations, but to say that there, that is actually, interestingly enough, like sort of this weird right, right wing you, authoritarian, like, so you're imposing a set of values on someone and then you're taking, anyway, there's a really confusing Melu of how people. Well, I, I, you're, I think you put your finger on it. I, so, the, the, and I was, and I wrote a piece, and I wanted to get it out. I mean, this whole. So you have this dichotomy, and, and it's it's fascinating to get in discussions because you have free market people, and what and it has a lot to do what we consider to be free, and you know, free speech, free markets, uh, free society. All your liberties are since defined in terms of a lack of any kind of obligation or imposition. Which and is the classic liberal, that's the classic liberal political philosophy. Well, I, yeah, yeah, but that's not what, in the liberal, like not in the liberal in terms of like the liberals and the conservatives in the United States, but like liberal and neoliberal. Well, libertarian, philosophy. I mean, it's free market. I mean, the, the free market, I mean, the thing that's killed this country more than anything else, in my view, is, is, is sort of free market economics, because the concept of a free market is, is, is a fiction. Yeah, it doesn't exist in nature. It doesn't. It, and, it, and in fact, when you have atomized preferences, it, it is a zero sum game. The outcomes you, you can look at it from game theoretical, many, many perspectives. It doesn't work. And yet it, it's it. But what it does do, I mean, it's, if a, it's a facade because I mean, what I what I it, it, you, you espouse it. But then the default condition is for though it's a way of reinforcing existing power structures. So it, 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 it presents a, a, a model of itself as this, it, it's free, it's for everybody, but in fact, it fails, and when it fails, the oligarchy asserts control. That's mm -hmm. the deal, that's the whole Silicon Valley world. That's, so they, 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 they're, you know, they're, they're all about freedom, but it, it, it's, it's in a freedom in a sense to exploit. Um, and I, 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 and it's, it's a model of, of organization that is very, I think, very archaic, extractive, and destructive. Um, so, but this trope of freedom, I think, is, is something that's really, really need to be dealt with. So you um, put a couple things that I want to just sort of like highlight and uh, at the very least sort of like make more explicit for our listeners. One is sort of this concept of, uh, you know, zero sum games in economics right. and how those function and play out and what alternatives to zero-sum games are and where we may see them actually working or not. You know, so there's that well, I mean, discourse thread there that I kind of want to point well, out. I, is, I, let, me, let me build on that because there's something, I mean, if you look at evolution biology, in particular, there's mathematical biology. It's called uh, a lot of work that's been done by Martin Novak at Harvard, but 
elsewhere at EO Wilson, and it's called what they call multi-level selection, cooperative selection, cooperative game outcomes. The, if you look at reason you have multicellular organization organisms is because they are cooperative. We 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 are we we're built up of of colonies of, of, of microorganisms. Yeah, cooperate, and so we create these different niches that is, is and together they have greater joint outcomes. I mean, this is this is. But isn't nature red in tooth and claw, John? No, nature is not. There is an element of tooth and claw. But you can't. You if everything was zero sum game, you would you, you'd be some, you'd be unicellular organisms. You'd well, be, so here's one of the things that I find interesting. In it, like I'm not seeing the discourse go to the deeper layer that I think maybe we can invite people to consider, which is in um, so so take it for granted. You have sort of complex cooperative symbiotic relationships to create organisms and even to create ecosystems and even right. to create the planet in like right. nested nested systems within each of those there is competition like like uh right. you know, lions kill gazelle gazelles lions kill gazelles but the co the competition between those two organisms results in uh, systemic regeneration right so so looking at the fact that there's predation for instance, and that there's a zero-sum game at the moment, I don't think it actually plays out in, in terms of ecological, uh, you know, I don't, the application of game theory to the full ecosystem health, I think that we would find something else. But if you just say, there's a lion chasing a gazelle, the only one can win, okay, great. But the interesting thing there is that the- Yeah, go ahead, that's no problem. The net relationship between the two is, of st yeah, but, st stability, it, resilience, and regeneration at a systemic level, right? Which okay, let, let me challenge it to just uh, just what you just said, because it's not an individual basis that the the, the 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 gazelle and the lion actually they 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 are they have a reciprocal relationship vis-a-vis a, -vis a species mm -hmm. because so yes the lion feeds on the gazelle, but the 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 the, the, the lion if they're there's too few zell, too too few gazelles, or too few lions, and there are too many. And the lions actually moderate the, the population of the gazelles. So there is an equilibrium level there in which they mutually influence each other. You can look at this in, in predator prey population yeah. fluctuation. Keystone, keystone species emergence. Keystone species. Yeah. So there there is this dynamic equilibrium that that allows them to uh, occupy a, a multiple niches. So the, the the idea is when you generate a niche. Yet you have constraints on your freedom uh, among outside units, and you may have freedoms, but it gives you freedoms within the niche to do to do certain things. Yeah, so you can have you have structure. species selections with innovation. Right. So it, it, it's this concept of of, of open ended systems that have no sort of free energy is bullshit. I mean, it's it's just it's 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 just it doesn't make any scientific sense. It, it's completely against what we know in physics or complex adaptive systems, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. it, it, is, it, it is sort of a, in a 17th century rendering of science and fiction that, that has been brought, and even Adam Smith reputed. And Darwin, any of these guys yeah, that Darwin, actually believe I mean, the simplified version of what has somehow become enculturated into right. the worldview. It's very strange. It serves a certain interest of people to say that. It's rationalized. It's like post hoc rationalization for bad behavior. Yes, but it, it bad, but it's very remunerative behavior that people are able to, to reap the benefits of it. 
I mean, and hence Silicon Valley. It's a first mover advantage. It's a winner take all. It's it's locking all that, and they say it's a very social benefit. Blah blah. But you know, um, yeah, there's a huge amount of misinformation about this. So um, how so how do we approach without being moralistic about it? Like say say you and I can see okay, there's like shaky the the worldview does not. You, you, there's rationalization taking place, which right. is incoherent with how the world really works and sort of self-justifying stories. Right. Um, okay, okay. But, but clearly we can't wag our fingers at no, no, the people of the world no, and have no, that no, no. work. No, so I, I, and, and this sort of circles back to, I think, the Jefferson Compact, your ideas about right. NFTs. What are the tools that actually embody a, a closer... Um, approximation of how living systems work, of how the world works, that allow us to transition beyond this sort of winner-takes-all, zero-sum game, race to the bottom, you know, you know, Armageddon doomsday scenario. Do something in which there's healthy competition to be the most cooperative healthy competition to be... I I really, I recommend Martin Novak's book on cooperation on this. Um, And uh, he's a mathematical biologist at Harvard in in evolution dynamics. And and there there is more and more papers that are coming out, which they can look at even at at the microorganism level to say, well, here here are kinds of altruistic reciprocity and, 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 uh, and, and collaboration have higher net outcomes, have higher equilibriums. Collaboration. Uh, so, uh, so I, I, I think that 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 this is something that you don't have to sort of wag your finger about. I think you design, you can design systems and design financial instruments that that work this way that have higher returns, mm-hmm. robust. And so that's actually one of the things we're doing. Are they vulnerable, though? I mean, I guess my curiosity here is um, that there seems like a piece of which I love. I would, I want, I want to believe that we can simply design better and, yeah. and out-cooperate the competition, so to speak. But, but I also wonder if, you know, is, there, is it that easy? Or is there, are these strategies vulnerable at a certain moment to essentially be um, kind of like squashed before they even get out of the... You know, well, I mean, I, I mean, you know, you and I both listen to revolutions, right? I mean, so I mean, and, and there, it's just a, you know, it's it's a, a detritus of human beings trying to uh, have failures of, of to making reforms, and so you and you can see really good ideas come and get squashed by authoritarian forces. I mean, this is and this is done over and over and over again. I mean, and, and, and it's like, who controls the military? It doesn't matter how great the other ideas. On the other hand, I, I, I do think that, that we are at a point um, where collaboration, complex collaboration is really important to develop complex forms of technology. And, and I think that we're evolving in our understanding the principles to get sort of compound returns that you look at assets in isolation or you look at them in their relational combination, they have much greater returns. So this is the thing that we're doing in city science. Uh, we're doing this sort of designing next generation, uh, not just cities, but really neighborhoods. In other words, if you look at housing independent of mobility, 
And mobility is not just transportation. Mobility is access to different kinds of resources. And, and so these things are all together related. And if you can invest in those things uh, as a, a, almost a basket of, of related assets, your returns are a lot better. Hmm. So, I, so I really, I, I, and, and so uh, there's some really interesting work that's being done on that. Uh, and I, I, I say this not as sort of a Pollyanna, gee, I wish it's true. I think it, it, it is true. And, and the fact is that, that they, people underestimate the, 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 expen the amazing exponential returns of technological innovation is really highly deflationary and that there's an interdependence of one innovation upon another. So we know software eats the world. We know what 5G comes, all these things create other assets, change their value relation. If you look at them in, in, as a, a living complex that, and, and accelerate that value generation, and look at it value generation rather than extraction for ownership, a single ownership. Right now the system is, you know, I'll extract ownership for, and I'll own this particular asset, control this particular way and extract it out, not reinvest it. This is why regeneration is so important. Hmm. Um, so I, I, I think there is a, a very clear principle ways of doing this. And, this, we, and so we're, this is what we're proceeding to do. Um, and I, I don't think it's a pie in the sky idea at all. I think, I, but it's interesting to me that um, I have a friend who's an a MIT graduate, started a company. Uh, he was all into uh, system dynamics modeling, you know, economies and things. So he started up his own fund. And he ended up managing $19 billion and then selling it to Schwab. And now he's developing another fund based upon evolutionary dynamics. And he, and, and, and I say, well, what do you see looking at, what do you see out there? And, and his, his prognosis is very similar to, to ours. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? Same thing with Ray Dalio. Yeah. Who, who ran, manages Bridgewater. I read his recent uh, sort of manifesto. Yeah, I mean, he's, and I, I met with him and I talked to him, and he and basically said, and he said, you know, you're really in a very dire situation. And they, and they said, what do you think the odds are? And he said, it's 70 30, and not the right way. Um, but I, I don't, it, it, as advanced as he is in his book and principles and stuff, I think he doesn't understand some of this stuff. Um, and, I, and, and, and hence, I really do think the new, Monetary policy, new kind of uh, decentralization uh, in, in design of tokens is very fundamental to this. Well, so what happens? <clears throat> are there single points of failure that, um, or, or like? Well, here, here, I mean, yes. for you. This is sort of like a, an aside. I think it's related. So, what's your take on the Libra, and what's your take on the? Did you watch on C-SPAN the congressional hearing about it at all? Or no, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Um, you know, just, uh, yeah, what's your sense of, of sort of like the window of opportunity for sort of tokenization and decentralization to be far enough along that it's, it's no longer, like, you, there's just no going back, you know, so to speak. Oh, I think already there I, yet? I, yeah, or I think we're there. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. Yeah, uh, and I was, you know, one of the uh, Facebook. I was at Harvard when they started, and Mark. I, I was very critical. One of the first people on Facebook, very critical of their, their policies, and I see him doing just what he's always done. Uh, he's always out to help the people, to connect people. I love the world, and he just exploits it. And and he, and, and uh, so I, I I I see what he he's recognizes a new business model. I need. He wants to go into finance. 
He wants to become his own. Sort of being the Winklevoss twins again. Yeah. <laughs> well, he wants to be his own network state. He's going he's gonna to have identity. He's going to have currency. He's going to create his own sovereign state, you know, as, as Zuckerberg land. I'm just cracking up about the Gemini dollar and then the Libra. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I think it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so, the, you know, and you, and you look through, you know, it's co-Libra, the wallet. I mean, there's just so many holes in that whole thing. Uh, and But what it does do is establish that, you know, they reported they put a billion dollars into this thing. So they really, they, they recognize as a critical path for them. And, and it, it also in conjunction, we haven't talked about the whole virtualization and AR stuff. Because I think that's going to change things dramatically too, and being able to write contracts and make this stuff work. Uh, so, but he, you know, he the guy's no dummy. I mean, he 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 see he 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 sees where it's going, and yet you also have things like you know, J.P. Morgan's got their own stable coin. You've got Circle. So it, and then a, a key finding that, and this is what I, you know, I was in uh, uh, Korea with Brock Pierce, and, and with uh, so I had breakfast with him and had some number of conversations with. Him. Him, which is interesting. I mean, he and I do not share a certain political perspectives. Um, but uh, his point was um, that yes, you're going to have these big shocks. You think it's going to take place? They're going to be. They're going to get. There's going to be a flight from uh, um, the sort of certain fiat currencies. The dollar is going to get whacked. Uh, so he has he has uh, similar notions that you're going to have these these major shocks to the system and long yeah. Bitcoin. <laughs> Why it's not he's not necessarily saying it's all Bitcoin, uh, but there there the 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 point being is 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 that uh, you're going to get a a flight from traditional currencies and and one of the things that he cited was Cambridge Associates, uh, which is a very conservative consultancy to pension funds, is saying that big companies should have take a position in and in, in digital and, and crypto assets and so when when you see that um uh it's now so it's, it's now kosher for them to do that uh and that's going to draw in a lot of money so that 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 i think is is something we're we're going to uh so i i think that it's definitely we're not going back hmm. uh and I think the shocks that are going to come to the system are things that are going to accelerate this kind of innovation adoption. Because people are looking for a safe, safe harbor. Yeah. They're looking, and, and, and the other point I want to make, and it gets back to an earlier thread we had, this whole idea of permissionless versus permission and the concept of freedom that uh, people say, you know, the freedom is not in having any constraint at all. Uh, I think what we're seeing is just almost the opposite is that we'll be able to do having highly articulated uh, permissions based upon circumstances that you can do with zero knowledge proofs and encrypted in ways that do not reveal your identity and data. I mean, this is I'm doing some work on this stuff and I'm really impressed on it. Yeah, there's some really powerful stuff. Yeah, happening. there's some really good stuff coming out in the in the Cosmos right. ecosystem, um, Zcash, um, Tezos um, world, all as well. There's some interesting. Um, well, it's not, I'm, I'm looking at this. The, the stuff that I've been looking at is the spatial uh, spatial contracts that come out of Versus and in, in, in the uh, in the uh, basically AR and VR worlds, and being able to have machine recognition 
of objects and then being able to give those objects providence and then permissions and then uh, they have their own wallets. Uh, right. and, and so you're, you're being able to, to animate the physical world in a, in a, in a virtual way. Uh, but that's able to happen on a public permissionless, um, in a public permissionless way with, um, with sort of like uh, zero knowledge proofs um, well, identity, or, or that happens within a, a permissioned encrypted system. Um, we got to be you, you got to be a fine scalpel here in how you mean that. I mean, I mean, uh, the, th the thing is, it is permissioned. Bay. I mean, whether you have access to a resource over a period of time in a geofenced area to a certain, it's all based upon highly nuanced and and. Uh, permissions that are stored on a blockchain or a DLT. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, you are not, you're... I guess my question is, is the ability to um, read and write to that base layer blockchain permissioned or permissionless? Given, uh, I'm totally tracking that part of the magic is to create these complex bundles of permissions around sort of, you know, either a geolocation or an identity or yeah, right, a right, right. whatever it might be. Um, I, I'm tracking that. I'm just curious if you have a stance on the sort of like, does the chain that secures all of that, is the chain that secures all of that, you know, like, uh, like a consortium model like Libra or is it a public well, chain? It's not a Libra, it's consortium? just bogus. I mean, that, I mean, it, it, it's, it, that is that's an oligarchic model. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, and you have what ten million dollars? What do you? I mean, that that is so. I mean, there there are a lot of issues around that. I mean, you, there is it so different from Ethereum, for instance? If Ethereum yeah, I, I, I think I, I think uh, yeah, I think there's a, a the, the I mean, it, it gets the, the devils in the details. I mean, I I, I think that it, there's a, a certain premise um i mean to me uh, the 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 anchor point in this is uh, is identity and being able to have the self-sovereign identity make certain assertions and create do you want to give a lot of freedom to people to 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 uh assert a number of different credentials and different parties can rely upon but it's something that they control themselves i mean you know if, if we do not control our own digital expression of ourselves and we're becoming avatars and that's owned by someone else and can be taken over, then it's just, it's servitude, it's serfdom, right? Um, so there are certain absolutely fundamental conditions that have to underlie this. Um, but you, it is a question of permissions and duties. You can't, you can't, uh, is, is the, the concept of permissionless, in my mind, what you see under, the underlying the thinking is of, of the sort of the Bitcoin world is that you know, no, one, no one's gonna uh, impose any kind of restraints. Uh, and, and that's what freedom is about, it's not. Yeah, 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 it's sort of, there's a, there's a very strange, um, I agree with you, John, I think that there's a very strange kind of, almost like adolescent interpretation yes. of freedom. Uh, Freedom, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. I can tell my dad, give my dad the finger, and I'm free. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, and no one can see what I'm doing. That makes. And me what you're saying is more the freedom is to self-impose, to self-regulate. The freedom is I. The freedom isn't to not have sort of like um, 
permissions, boundaries, and regulation, so to speak, um, in this sort of like cybernetic sense of regulation. So right, exactly. The, the, the freedom is really to rest with the, the individual for them to choose to design the, the ways but in which- It's not just the individual. I, I don't do a hyper-individual because I mean, look, I mean, it, we're embedded in a whole number of uh, other networks. So it's, it's uh, this whole I, uh, idea of your identity is totally linked to yourself. We're, our, our sense of who we are is defined not in, in it's sui generis. It's in, in it's in relationship to others around us. Yeah. So so we are our our, our sense of ourselves as being unique and as autonomous individual is a fiction itself. Yeah. Uh, and and so, uh, but it's a fiction that's so deeply ingrained in. Um, the zeitgeist, the, the 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 constitutional and legal frameworks in which we operate, um, but not China. <laughs> well, but, but China not has Asia. other problems. Well, yeah, they got other issues. That's true. But 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 there's this sort of uh, this idea of identity, and so that we our dualism of Western ontologies is really uh, is, is sort of a you know subject object. Distinctions, it doesn't. I mean, which is not good physics anymore. That that this is again, we're we're we based the whole political system on, on false ontologies. Um, so, but I don't. Want, that's a rat hole. We can get into. No, good I at. mean, yeah. So, what's the? It does. I think you can see China has a different political system coming from a different ontology that has a different set of problems right maybe which are equally or more terrifying depending on your perspective um i don't know um well i mean the chinese have this concept of con i mean i i i of control i mean and 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 so i mean but it it it, it it's there, there's an irony that that people think you can only control things by through central uh some kind of top-down control. That's how control works. We have a very primitive notion of control, and and so it it, it has to go to a single apex or something, and then it, it gets posed. I had a very interesting conversation with a guy who's advisor to the British government, who's Oxford, you know, educated first class honors, interesting guy, talking about human rights, and 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 he could not believe that you could have decentralized system. He ultimately believed that things had to be centralized. He couldn't believe that you could have highly adaptive functional uh, systems that are decentralized. But if you look at, if you design complex things, that's the only way to do it. You know, I mean, that's the way nature works. That's, that's the whole heart of complex adaptive systems. So uh, you have distributed, and the, the, there, there's Shannon's sense theorem. There's whole lots of, of ways in which you can really formally show this. Uh, but people still think of it in, as a single authority. Hmm. And, and 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 when they think, oh, because you can have a single point of control, but it's it, it is a contingent one, you know, it, it's there for a point in time, and then it, and then another point replaces it, um, because constantly things are evolving, um, and that gets back to Godel's theorem, you know. I mean, and you get back to Church and Godel and all the sort of theories of computation. Um, yeah, say more about Gödel's theorem. I'm not familiar with Gödel's theorem. Well, I mean, Gödel's theorem. I mean, uh, I mean, there, there was an attempt by Russell and Whitehead to prove that you know mathematics that 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 uh, you could reduce mathematics to a whole set of principles, and then that you could it could be proven in terms of itself. Mathematics of 
Principia, Principia Mathematica. And then what Gogol came along and showed that you cannot prove something's complete in terms of itself. Mm -hmm. that's oh, right. That's yeah. That's right. I do. And, and, and so the the incompleteness theorem is is it, gonna re, it, it requires some other higher order uh, a reference systems because it can't describe itself. And and so any attempt to sort of cap something uh, and and make it self-contained, then you're going to create. It's going to be ultimately undecidable. But that and and and, and the biblical is sort of uh, warnings of that is what is we call idolatry. You know, it's like, okay, you take a array and you try to make it fixed and you make it self-contained and then it fails, right? Um, well, it strikes me that that's a pretty accurate representation of what is happening with the global economy right now. Absolutely. We're, we're absolutely regressing. And we have a very clear, I mean, this would be sort of like the pitch for region network. We have a very clear higher order system to anchor and contextualize the economy and that is the health of the biosphere and that's yeah. like like if you do that then you get out of this problem of like the strange logic of perpetual growth economics as it currently exists we have a, you have a, a profound homeostatic notion of what 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 living what living is about and 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 um, and so I I think rather than having a mechanical mechanism a a, a clearing mechanism uh, a, a you know creative destruction mechanism you have that of homeostasis basically and 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 that is the profound shift that needs to take place mm. There's all, and 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 in fact it informally in, in, informs how you design things so that's the good side of this is that you can you can test an old mechanical system against a, a system that, that is, is really a, a homeostatic and adaptive in itself. It's, you can make your empirical evidence-based choices yeah. um, and, and get it out of an ideological argument. So, so let's circle back around because I think you, you very quickly several times referenced non-fungible tokens and they're sort of like uh, as a cornerstone of yeah. of a strategy to engage with kind of self-organizing decentralized um, right tools and rules to reconnect the you know nested holes whether that's an individual exactly right. or a, a community to um, healthy relationships so unpack what a, what a non-fungible token is a little bit and what you think is most interesting and any I'd also be interested to hear like who's who's doing it right right now what are some what where are some places that you know someone who's listening to this could could dig in and see the this starting to take place okay I mean you know the, the not talk about just to put it in a broader context of what we like about the the internet was that Information was totally fungible. Anyone could do anything. You could set up your own website. You could share information. You, you were not restricted in, in any sense. So there was an absolute fungibility of, of things. You could take information, you could copy it, and, and, and you keep copying it, copying, copying. And that was, fa that was fabulous. But the, the, there, there's an inherent problem with that in, 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 in that there are certain things that are, they have value in your uniqueness, and they're associated with making certain assertions that are true that that uh, you cannot 
their value is is being able to to validate a particular kind of assertion um and and that's where i think non-fungible tokens are most interesting yes it came out of crypto kitties and you could create these kitties and they're one of a kind for gaming and all that that was a great thing you created scarcity but but for me the uh, in, in the 720 tokens uh, non-fungible tokens that protocol and at 11 is it 1150 i've forgotten uh, 1120 or 50 um but is um what, what 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 to me is really interesting is is that you can make a a basically a title about something a, 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 any kind of assertion any kind of claim and you issue a unique token and on that basis of that token it cannot it cannot be duplicated it cannot replicate it it has unique value and it's, it's tied to the the smart contract that is basically creates some kind of computation that says this is true this is the provenance this is where it comes from and i have i have a token that says that as much and so i can trade I can exchange that token, or I can use ver use that token to verify a transaction. The, the simplest thing is, for example, uh, I can make assertions about my credit, uh, my uh, social security card, my social security number. I don't have to. I can have a, a process that says I can validate. That it could be a zero to knowledge proof process. Basically, mm -hmm. I share that it asserts it, and it gives me a token that says yes, you have a very a, a valid social security. Right, so people can know that you have a social security number right. without knowing your social security. Yes, yes, and so and you can do that about data and metadata, and you can actually then you can share things that you can share assertions about things without necessarily sharing the data itself. Um, it, it just it, it 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 opens up a way of a highly scalable way of being able to uh, have basically certifications of the truth or the character of a particular attribute or kinds of data. Uh, I'm, I'm not being as clear as I want to right now. I'm trying to think of it. Um, what, what would this be called? I mean, I think I have the sense that non-fungible token is language that specifically comes out of the Ethereum sort of world um, specifically and, and has been more broadly adopted by the blockchain kind of community. I also have the sense that this isn't unique to the blockchain world. That no, no, I, no, no, that's true. That, that, that's true. I mean, that concept of being able to create a unique title to something, that title can have a timestamp to it. It could have, you know, it could have all sorts of permissions or it could be related to permissions. No, I, I think it's part of a broader concept. What, what's interesting about NFTs in terms of, you know, uh, uh, tokens is is that you can you can generate them at at, at huge scale you know, and uh and you can put them into baskets and you i could have one of the things that i was arguing you could have uh non-fungible tokens assertions about uh, reputation there could be assertions about certain kinds of permissions about certain kind of identity and and they could have a, a, a and and i could say well i i'm willing to accept this these set of credentials for this point in time no i need additional token or i'll take this one out and I'll put another one in mm -hmm. so this is sort of the bottom up being and when you talk about fake news and fake and things well what am i willing to rely upon for what kind of information i don't need a central authority anymore i just say well you know for me this basket of tokens has these kind of character i'm willing to accept them uh and, and be a relying i'm like a relying party i'll rely upon them yeah. And if they fail, I'll get another one. And I'll put Are you familiar one. with uh, true, true Story and what True Story is doing? Sort of similar to that. 
I, I'm not familiar with them, but maybe uh, that's a tan tan tangent, but similar, sort of like creating the ability for uh, the attachment of unique digital identifiers to news stories, particularly, and for community to be able to curate that as well, so, sort of like add and check and make Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, so I, I'm part of a network that has those, those, those attributes for it, and, and, I, and I believe in, in the process they use. And if I and, and and I'm willing to to incur certain risks, you know, I, I'll make investments or I'll, I'll organize my life around it. And over a period, if you believe in the whole natural selection evolution, you're going to get an evolutionary stable system that'll come out for this and sort these things out. They'll be stable with respect to those particular players. Right. I mean, so that that's sort of a, there's a natural equilibrium that starts to come out of. Yes, people will game here or game there, and over a period of time, it'll be it'll be re robust to a certain context. That's an it's an emergent it's a it's an it's sort of an emergent authority. Well, in in a way that's kind of sounds similar to how kind of like the neoliberal, not in a pejorative way, like the the actual like. Um, new, you know, Austrian school of economics, like what they were fighting, you know, in terms of like a central centralized authority, oh, I, I mean, yeah. state, like yeah, I mean, that same is more libertarian, and I, I would say, yeah, I mean, it, yes, but 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 what 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 becomes critical here is is not I'm, I don't believe in a simple market clearing mechanism. I, I mean, uh -huh. it, 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 it's it's much more than that. Um, and so there are certain there's certain credentials that you 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 want you rely upon, and if they fail, then other people can create competing you know, alternatives. You're not locked in. I mean, I, that was sort of I guess the the, the contrast is sort of the, the the socialist model that he's fighting. And what was the, so? But what's the what are the conditions within which we can assure that we're not locked in? And what what about what about this sort of like moment of the digital revolution is unique in that sense? I think there's something there. Yeah, no, that's, that, that, I, I think the lock-in is an extremely important thing. Is is that that it, uh, and and this is what people when they talk about permission and permissionless, this is what, what I think what they're trying to get at. Yeah, and 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 I think that you you get it in another way. Hmm. The, the point of the matter is that I am absolutely free to accept or reject those set of credentials. And, and, and I'm not uh, that, and, and I don't have to rely upon a, uh, a particular set of authorities or credentials in order to make, uh, undertake some kind of action or transaction. I mean, the problem is what you have, and this is a real problem, and, and is, is that you have governments will come in and say, well, here, you, you have to have this this particular token, unless you have the, you know, it'd be KYC or it'd be, it could be a FICA score or something that they absolutely describe, you cannot do a transaction unless you have that particular one. I would say, well, no, if that's supposed to measure risk, I'd like to have the choice of taking other kinds of tokens. Okay, so there's one principle I'm hearing, which is in order for this, in order for this world to exist, there has to be some healthy competition between um, yes, authorities and credentialing, and you and your switching cost has to be minimal. You're, you're minimal switching costs, right. and and what minimal switching costs means is that you essentially have to be able to bring 
your net, your personal network value with you when you go. Yes, and this was a big fight we had with uh, uh, this idea of personal identity being mobile and your data being mobile. It's not locked into a single prov uh, provider. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of like the 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 um, first movers in the space are are sort of doing their best to keep that from coming true. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's where I'm. That's where my previous question about is there what's the risk that many of these things kind of get squashed? Oh, I think it's a huge risk. I mean, I I think in China, of course, but but, but that's what Facebook's trying to do. I mean, and, and this is what he's always done. He said, you know, I'm all open. I'm you know, I'm all here to save the world and all that. But no, what he's trying to create is a lock-in mechanism that you know he'll do the identity side of stuff. Unescapable network effect. Pardon? Unescapable network effect. Yeah, he he wants to have a lock-in, and and so I, I and I I just believe in the absolute opposite. I have the right to take in, and and you see this GDPR. We worked on the GDPR trying to create those principles that I can I have absolute control mobility of my personal data and identity, and I can take them anywhere. And you want an open API system, and this is what we're looking at. Is I say, well, you know, it's really cheap for me to get another API. I can I can just grab a bunch of APIs, and I can have a new credential. And I can have my own sense of risk. And yes, if it fucks up and I fail, fine, I'll take that risk. Right. Uh, but this is but this is a self-correcting network. This is the I mean, this is where the evolution dynamics come in. This uh, that they sort out these different things. And yes, they get stable and they get locked in, and then they reconfigure themselves. But you have to be able to sort of migrate in, in evolutionary terms. You know, you have to sort of leave the area, <laughs> respeciate, right? You can't. Uh, and uh, cross over, uh, but you can't, and, and so the, the whole attempt to lock people in indirectly or explicitly is, is one of the big problems. Well, what's the relationship between, uh, it feels like there's a tension between my understanding of sort of healthy uh, human, you know, sort of like Dunbar's number and right. healthy human social right. relationships in which there's sort of like an initiated in-group and trust, sort of like trust can be accomplished. You almost create a communism of uh, like, like a non-linear sense of reciprocity. I am not expecting a transactional relationship with people in my close-knit community. So that's sort of like a uh, I, I'm making a supposition there that that's like... Well, no, they're, they're, that's been studied in evolution of biology, and they're right. saying higher, it's been higher outcomes. You have higher benefits that result in... Really, that actually makes a whole lot of sense to not expect reciprocity in return. So what's the relationship between that, which I think is true, and the ability then to exit a network taking with like like how do we think about like portability and and portability, portability yes, of, looking for you, right. of value when in some ways value is emergent of a healthy network like how do i, I think a really really good value there really good question but i also think there's certain things that that uh, and, no back they, they they came up with this concept uh in in uh, in having multi-level selection or uh, group selection that in order that level of cooperation to to ex exist, you had to have an independent reputation score. 
that you trusted. Uh, and, and, and so that it, once that got compromised, uh, then, then you, your, your levels of cooperation sort of collapse. Right, which is what, how I generally feel about sort of my relationship to, um, I think that's what's happening in, in the larger social and governmental yes. context, right? Like I as an individual sort of no longer trust, you know, the, the ways in which our society rates my sort of like fitness as a citizen, really. I'm like, or, or, or assigns fitness and trust to other people. I'm sort of like, well, I don't know. Should I really trust this institution or this person? It's been captured. It's, 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 it's captured. It's not an independent it's been measure. captured, right. It's, it's been totally captured, and, so, and, and it's predictably captured, and you can see the benefit. It happens, and, it, and the intention is to capture it. That's, that's the new social gain. It's not something independent of that. I mean, so when you say, in a nutshell, what you're speaking of right here, we're sort of getting to the crux right. of it which is the, the revolution is really to create an uncapturable yes. um, system of, of reputation as the underpinning for uh, our society. You put your finger on it. And that's why I think that, that's the mission of science in a sense. You know, is science is not, it, it should, it's not supposed to be captured by any government ideology or anything else. It's things that exist in themselves, the degonsic, they are what they are. And, and so it's being able to, to represent, not capture, but understand that. And, 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 and understand, yes, you think you have a scientific basis for it, and then you'll see it's contingent and it has its failings, but you constantly, you, you're, you're, the value proposition is always to, to, to improve it. So there's, a, there's an underpinning epistemology here, it sounds like, right. which is actually the crux. It's right. like the, the crux of this is getting the how we know things right. Yes, and, yes. And, and yes. maintaining rigor yes. around that yes. I can trust the how I know, not what, not the what, because I'm always yeah, going right. no, to be in a constant process of reevaluation. Right. No, that's absolutely correct. Greg, you, you, you put your finger on it. I, I, I absolutely agree. It's how I know. How do I know something is true? And how I know if it's not true? And how do I know the process? And do I really trust that? And, is, and, and what is the basis for my trust, my willing to vest myself in that? And so um, what happens in a world in which that is, like there is critical network effect taking place in which people are engaging in the sort of self-evolutionary process of, of maintaining and utilizing a, a sort of consensus reality around yes. you know, our epistemology. What, what happens then, John? Like what, what's okay, the, yeah, me, yeah, this, this is great, this years, is right to it. I think, years, what does the world look okay, like? If okay, we, let, let me, let, let, okay, here, here, you're really, you're digging down to the right point. So now I, I talk about linguistics for a minute here. Um, because it, it really, language, we, we do everything in terms of language, and you can argue that the language can be rolled up into mathematics. But if, if you look at, at um, and Chomsky was the first to see this, is that you have, you, you, you look at the organizational language, the most complex part of language is the, what they call service structure, the social construction part, not the propositional logic part. 
So people used to think oh, your language is propositional logic and it's all is objective representation, but actually the complex part of language is how you, you present different, uh, how you engage other people and present information to them. So there's a social construction of reality that, that is in, it, it, your social reality that you depend upon as key to your, your, your survival and your identity, which can be congruent with the objective world or not be congruent with the objective world. And you can look at your survival and saying, well, you know, actually, in some cases, uh, it's better for me to just go along with a crowd and say what they think, because if I, if I, if I call it out, I'll get killed or I'll survive, I won't survive. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's this, there's, there's this inevitable tension, that, and, that, and, and we're at that tension point, because there, 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 there are certain social constructions and interests that people have that are at variance at a, at, at, with the objective reality. Mm -hmm. and, you have to, and you have to create new myths, new ways of seeing yourself to align the two. Yeah. And this is what Levi-Strauss wrote a lot about, it was sort of, sort of the structural analysis of myth. And, and, what, and what a thinker like Charles Eisenstein in the contemporary moment is yeah, yeah. Sort of calling out around sort of like creating a new mythos and story that is congruent with, with sort of a living earth uh, approach. But it, it's really fun. I mean, our ability to accept something is less cognitive and more emotional. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we know that. I mean, the neuroscience is very, very strong. So what you attend to and what you believe in is, is basically, you know, it, it's, it's, not, a, it's a, not a frontal lobe function. And, and so you, 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 in order to get people to buy into that and then, and then enable them to make the cognitive switches, you have to deal with the emotional side of things. Hmm. Um, and, well, and how, so tell me, how does, that, how does that fundamental truth relate to... A, a successful strategy around, you know, this sort of um, decentralized, um, 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 incorruptible, yeah, I got, I got uncapturable, sort of like epistemological approach to um, society and truth and exchange. I, I think I, I think you have to make it a motive. I think you have to take those abstract concepts and, and put them in an emotive context. And that's why the storytelling, the myths and all that are really important. And then you can have, and you can identify with other people, other places. You, 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 it has to have that uh, emotive uh, content to it in order for it to stick. I mean, so what's it, the myth? What is the myth that we could be telling in which, you know, that transition from a world in which I can't trust anyone to say anything, uh, you know, authority or whatnot, like I just can't, there's no mechanism for me to engage with that to shifting over to one in which I'm co-creating the mechanism and have full ability to sort of like audit and participate in its integrity. You know, what does that story look like? You know, cause it's, it's not Star Wars. No. Right? But, 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 there, but even though, I mean, it's not Star Wars, but, but it, 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 I mean, it may have something to do with Joseph Campbell, who is you know, Star Wars. Certainly, off. yeah. There yeah, has and, to be sort and, of a hero's so, journey here, for yeah, sure. Exactly yeah. right. So there, there are certain archetypal narratives that, that people are tuned to, that they can identify with, that it gives them comfort. That, that, and, and so there's certain kinds of anxieties that are relieved. I mean, um, that by certain kind of mythic structures, the questions that myths have to address. But one of the one of the things, and this is, it goes all the way back to my under, my undergraduate thesis, was uh, 
that um, Levi Strauss was saying that the, the, the issue behind myth was the autothetogenous nature of, of, of how people can, of, of, of life. And what he meant by that is that uh, how did they, they, they come out of time and how did they come into time? What is the origin of, of, of who we are and how do we place ourselves in our world? And and how do we uh, and how does that give us comfort that we have a place in the world, a meaning, and a, you know, it's really you know, system of meaning and 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 a, and a comfort that that this is this is who we are, um, and it is and and it provides a set of rule. I mean, the other thing is about myths is that there's a set of uh, procedures that you have that actually function in your particular environment. Yes, yeah, sort of ritual, ritualized reattunement with yes, it's a ritualized, exactly right, and it, it it functions on a social basis and with nature, so 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 it's it's attuned to these things. So how does that relate to something like extinction rebellion in the present moment? I think that's 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 exactly. I I think that's the beginning of a new kind of myth making, and I yeah, I think it and and. It, the, but anything that has a lot of Latinates in it tends to be it's too abstract. <laughs> so it, it's like so it 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 and it, it has to, but yes it, it, that's an abstraction, but it's, it's very real. But it, it, but when you see, I mean, for me, it, it it's a lament. I look out at my farm, and I when I first got my farm, and there were there were millions of little peepers, you know, little frogs. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. I mean, it's it, and I feel a real loss and, and i know other people feel that i mean it, it's like this it, it diminishes and, and, it, and it diminishes in a really profound way because i i think one of the things about nature is that you think it was beyond your control you couldn't fuck it up right I mean, it's like that's what, what the thing about the wild was right there was just this really beautiful thing that was wild and that and that that, that and, it, and it had this eternal truth to it and and uh and now i think we got to sort of restore those things um, yeah, there's an interesting thing here where I'm always wary. I was just listening to this guy who, uh, forget his name, who wrote the um, Uninhabitable Earth book. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, um, Wallace something, yeah, 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 gotcha. And kind of like what I was picking up is that his central thesis in some way is that we actually, as humans, um, I mean, we have the ultimate power to either kill ourselves or save ourselves. And, um, you know, like we've gotten ourselves here and we can get ourselves back out or keep going, you know, is like, was really just clear that like he has this belief. And, and I think this relates to what you're talking about in terms oh, yeah. of our concept with of the wild and maybe right. of even higher order, uh, you know, the holy higher order. Yes. Um, and my restraint here in like, I don't know that I agree with him. And, and here's why. I mean, I think there's a part of it that's attractive to me, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but there's also an element that I have the sense that that's the same hubris that got yes. us where yes. we are. Yes. It's Promethean. It's Promethean. It, I, I, I think that the, my, my response to that is that that and this is what I like some of the Bach is like yes we we are through our actions our understandings of the world has gotten us here at this point in time but we have to open ourselves to deeper understanding it's not something we invent it's something we 
uh, and vibe and, and, and open to. I mean, this is a new sense of the sacred and, 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 and a, a concept of something greater than ourselves that, that, that infuses our way in which we understand. And it's not, it's not I mean, with the, to, to, to even labor this further, there's the, the, the uh, I talk about the Milton Satan, you know, uh, is that, that hmm. if you look at Lucifer, the thing about Lucifer was, is that uh, he, 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 he believed in his own freedom. He said, why do I have to defer? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, you know, I'm a free man. I don't have to defer. I'm, I'm not beholden to anyone. Uh, and, 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 and so Lucifer, I am my own God. I am literally God. bringer of the light. Prometheus, yeah. literally. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about this. He's a libertarian. He's a perfect libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> and he and he's a very compelling figure. But you know, and he gets all the good lines and Milton and things. But it it is it, it's it's a profound insight. Hmm. Uh, and then then I like to contrast that with Bach, who you know, to me was the consummate musician. It was like, oh, well, I I, I it, to me is I, I, I was, I, I'm a receptacle to this. I, that's good in skills, but I, I, I just, I, I'm a vehicle. Mm. And it's rather than, rather than I am the vehicle. And that gets back to the, you know, the uh, goals and completeness theorems and all the things. There's a confusion. Uh, 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 you identify the self with, 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 with the information you have and you, you created it. You're really, you're, you're a part of it, but you're not create, you're, you're not it. And I, and I think there's that humility that needs to take place here, a profound humility. I mean, anyone who gets involved with science or anything like that recognizes anything that you, 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 you're overwhelmed by that. So I, I, I think this, this hubris of, of, you know, of living forever of being able to have the, the, the singularity and all, all, all of that is just, it's just, it's just non, it's nonsense. Well, you know, sticking on this riff around sort of like myth and story, the sing singularity as a concept sounds oh. an awful lot like, oh, yeah. you know, every other epoch has had its sort it's of... It's a rapture. It's a rapture for the geeks, you know? It's, it's like, you know, you get this millennial, uh, is it what they call it, millennial movement, eschatology, at the coming and then... Yeah. Comes together. It's an eschatological. I mean, yeah, yeah well, I, then that's 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 a regular trope. There's nothing, you know, that that's. And it's a regular trope that has, I think, been somehow is deeply related, you know, maybe culturally, linguistically, to this kind of um, to borrow to borrow a phrase from Martine Prechtel you know, sort of the unthinkable thought, which we can't, we yeah. don't consciously know is living through us, yeah. but is related to That's right. this whole sort of bind that we're in right That's now. Right. And right. it's really interesting to me, you know, I think we're re really diving, this is exactly where I was hoping the conversation would get to, yeah. which is kind of this, um, there's this, geography this un unexplored maybe unknowable geography yes. of uh, you know a pretty deeply um non-dual yes uh, right. all these words are sort of failing me and feeling a little no, I, I, no, I, I, spir spiritual approach that also 
guides and directs some very practical and seemingly non-linear uh, you know, responses to the world, like then we can zoom back out and we're talking about, you know, non-fungible cryptographic tokens that are, you know, issued through these decentralized, you know, uh, blockchain networks right. and relationships. And how the hell does that have to do with the, the transformation of human consciousness? I, I, I would have a hard time sort of articulating it in any sort of short form, but I do think that there's some longer form story that we're living out. And um, I agree with that. I agree with I that. I wonder, you know, I do. I just wonder what is what is the new mythos? Because I noticed that the the, for instance, let's talk about Charles Eisenstein. Um, I know Charles somewhat i i really respect his thinking um however i know that he is highly skeptical to the point of being dismissive of you know blockchain technology for instance as being any part of the you know what guides the emergence of a new consciousness right and from my perspective i i i'm i have i struggle to articulate why i think technology has to be integrated in we can't like it, it has to be reintegrated like the oh absolutely culture myth story living earth ritual uh you know we can't just all run to our permaculture farms no and, no no i mean we're I mean, you know I mean, we, I mean to take a more radical posture i mean the, if you look at the evolution i mean we are we gonna is there a natural selection to dematerialization de of some form yeah. and, and so i mean that what's happening in the whole virtual world in the augmented reality the things that are possible there are just you know, astonishing and that and that and so we're you know we're, we're creating these mirror worlds or you know digital twins and all these other things um, and then what we're doing in, in neuroscience and I mean, yeah, I, 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 I you can't you, you put technology in a box and say, you know, uh, that that it's not understanding what technology is. I is mean, it possible? This is kind of an out there question, but is it possible that part of the evolutionary arc here is to create the um, digital arena for? sort of like our strange zero-sum monkey games to be able <laughs> to, to be able to like play them out of, out break out of the monkey games I, that's a great that's a great i mean i i absolutely think that's true i mean i i think we're we're, we're we, we are uh genetically confined with our genome within a certain kinds of strategies that are pretty fixed and they're and they're pretty destructive and they're, and they're problematic, right? Like oh, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're problematic, and I said they're fucked up. I mean, they're they're they don't scale. They're, and and so now we have to create a design space that is not is not it breaks us, it liberates from this. So I I definitely believe that. I mean, I mean, as a kid, I you know, I mean, Tierra de Chaudin when you talked yeah. about the noosphere, that was like oh, I was, and then and, and I remember first reading that, oh, what the hell is that? That's all crazy spiritual shit. Well, it's basically software. That's what I like. They talk about software. That's what he's talking about. And 
and then its software became digital, became the internet, and then and now it becomes virtual you know, uh, and, and augmented reality. But then you start creating augmented things that actually function and intelligent in a digital form that can map in and out of a physical form and can control a physical form. And what the fuck have you got? I mean, you know, I can create an autonomous digital thing that can instantiate itself physically or not. Mm -hmm. And I can transmit that at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. so, why, why isn't that where evolution is going to intend to go, right? Um, and, and I'm not saying like, like Ray, like we can upload ourselves into a, you know, our, our brain. I don't think that it works that way. Uh, but I do think that you know you you can create certain uh, pretty smart and uh, learning rapidly evolving digital agents that 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 can it can or cannot instantiate themselves in some kind of physical form. Mm -hmm. And and so why why physically travel when you can just send them and then instantiate them and come back? So you know that's that's a later episodes of, of the original Star Trek. You know, <laughs> they all, the guys live around in the white robes and everything. You know, I mean, um, but I, I I and that's why I think this the whole framing you have now is like human species are the end game and how do we you know you hear AI being discussed that way and and. It's like, oh no, we can't because we somehow we have to protect our point in time, and it just doesn't make sense. Hmm. So there's a sense I have from what you're just saying there is that maybe uh, we should be emotionally ready for some sort of metamorphosis beyond what we know as human. Uh, I I totally agree with that, and that one one of the things I, I keep trying to find. When I, when I first in the media lab, there was exhibits and, and um, there was an exhibit of this thing that looked like a, a big bug. And I remember when it's in, and then it said, uh, I forget the name of it, was his last, you know, there's a term, but basically what they were saying is this is what the um, next generation of human beings would look at post-singularity. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's just—it's like, oh my God! And but it was a—it was a very, I thought, very, and I am unable to, to find it. But it was just like this very creative rendering. I say, well, if you have nanotech and you have this and all coming, what what is the form that will be the next evolutionary form of a human being? Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And what would be the form factor? What would be the phenotypic expression of that? You know. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, we have ex we're an extended phenotype species, so right. And I, we get to this phase and I have to say, you know, at heart, I'm such a Luddite. I'm such a, I would just, I sort of have this, you know, like romantic uh, retreat to the wilderness. Oh, I'm the same way. I'm a redneck. Like, I mean, I'm here in there, you know, you know, I'm in there. You know, Ted, I recognize that mountain. And um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, there's a certain sense of fear I have for my kids, for instance. Uh, and um, I imagine that that se sense of fear I have for my kids um, has to be, even if it's unconscious, be so present and pervasive with, with anyone who's at all tuned in to to this sort of like I think I, that's a really good point I, I think it, 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 at a subliminal subconscious level people experience they feel this yeah they, they, they feel the, the, the selective pressures and the, and, and the discontinuities 
Uh, and I think that starts triggering all sorts of responses. I mean, denial, I think, uh, yeah, denial, um, aggression, right. Or, or aggression, yeah, anger, uh, um, yeah. And, you know, of course, that leads, you know, the, the next phase of the conversation, you know, how do we metabolize those, um, what, what's a, what arises there? How do you create community around that? And, and again, I, you know, tying it back, how does that, how, how the hell does that relate to what you and I are both engaged in, in terms of sort of like um, social coordinating technology, co technologies to create healthy sort social coordination? Well, um, I, 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 think, I, I think the whole, the, the, the challenge, it gets back to Regen, is the whole, I, I think the, the profound underlying principle is, is both very practical and transcendent, is being able to create something that, that mimics and embodies ecosystems. Hmm. And, and so when we talk about decentralization, when I think about decentralization, I don't think about, you know, little libertarian states in the end of Britannia with Peter Thiel and his boat. I think about nature. Yeah. I think about something that has this, uh, this chaos and abundance and fecundity of nature and being able to do, have new forms of recombination and things like that. I mean, the, it's just uh, that, that, those are my organizing. Network. That's how, when I think about self-organizing systems and all that, that's, that's, and, and, and the pleasure I take in observing that and be part of that. And I don't see, so if you get to that edge, that terrifying edge, like we well, just did, you get to that edge, reconnect with the living, beautiful, sacred earth and ask, how do we serve her? And exactly. And do the first thing that comes to your mind, I guess. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm convinced that my, my happiest time was like I was living in the Pleistocene, you know, it was like with a giant fauna and so like, I said, yeah. oh, God, to be on the plains and see all that, the rhythms of nature and, and, and oh, really? the primal feelings, I said, yeah, I, that, that, that was a high point. <laughs> you know, I, one of my favorite, this is sort of a, a random thing to interject here, but one of my favorite activities in the whole world is disc golf. Um, why? Frisbee golf, where you yes. throw, you get in a small group of people, you walk through a savanna-like landscape, oh. throwing, throwing something, and then picking it up and throwing it again at the pace that you and your group can walk. Maybe you forage some berries, you know, you see some things. It, to me, it approximates the experience of small group hunter-gatherer hunter dynamic in a modern context, in a way that feels like deeply recalibrating as a moving evolutionary meditation, essentially. And um, whether it's disc golf or something else, sort of like I, it. I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I, I, I do get that. Well, I used to be, you know, used to hunt, and I, did, I, don't, I don't like to kill, but I like to. But when they went, and I have a neighbor who is just totally you know, hunts, but he's, he's, it's, it's an attunement. It's not yeah. the hunt itself. It's the relationship. I mean, they're trophy hunters and bullshit like that. And, I, and that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm just talking about watching the rhythms of life. I mean, you see the game come up and the game flow and know what they're doing. And I mean, it's, it's just, you're part of something and it, and it, and it's, and it's, and, and you, and you, and you really feel a bond to it. Um, and that I find really compelling. And I think there's some portal there, which is somewhat important to hold on to around, you know, our evolutionary 
past and how that relates to the present yes. moment and metamorphosis that, you know, I guess we're both uh, hypothesizing is underway and yeah. how to maintain sort of like a healthy humanness amidst the potential to careen off into fucked up monkey games or, you know, apocalyptic nightmares or well, all of this weird stuff, you know, it's just so grounding to be able to, amidst all this complexity, you know, gather with a small group of people and move through a landscape and notice patterns and tracks and yes, you know, yes. participate in, in natural yes. systems and use that as some sort of foundational guide for how we approach design, for how we approach agreements, for how we approach, um, you know, business models, whatever it might be, you know, because I sort of have the sense that if you can anchor it in that concrete experience and say, ah, yes, that's going to tend to work and it's going to tend to be healthy, um, then there's a good chance that, that that will be true through the larger complex living system that we're working in service of. I, 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 I totally agree. I, I, I totally agree. I, um, but it's, it's always a mystery. It's a surprise. It's, it's a recognition. Uh, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's being receptive, you know? I mean, what, what, what always gets me was I, I go to the neighbor and, and I'll go through the woods and I'll see certain things and he'll see many more, many more things than I see. You know? mm -hmm. right? And then you go with a dog and he smells and he, 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 you know, he's smelling and he's having all these reactions. And he said, well, okay, well, what's the world that he sees, right? Is that how vivid that would be, right? Uh, and, and, and so it, it, it's, 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 it's an enhancing of being alive in a sense. It, it, yeah. it, and it's not something you control. Yeah. It's if you something you attune to. It, then yeah. you fuck it up. Yeah, it's something you attune to. And when you bring your attention, you know, you have to have a soft focus as a hunter. Yeah. If you bring your attention to the game, they sense it and they leave. <laughs> it's, tr it's true, it's, it's a, the most uh, wild experience of that kind of um, energetic flow between organisms that- I, 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 Yeah, I, I mean, and the other thing is we know so little. I mean, the other thing is we don't, you know, we think we know the cause and effects are, we think we know that, and, and, and I said, probably not. I mean, there's like, like second and third order things going on here. I have no idea what's going on, right? Which is a really, you know, which is a really another um, kind of uh, milepost back or breadcrumb back towards kind of approaching all of this with a sense of um, the precautionary principle of, you know, um, thinking about, and I don't, I, I mean, we have to wrap up here pretty soon. I, I know right. you probably have other things. In yeah, I gotta, go, well. I gotta go to the dump. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good practical next I, thing I, to do. I get my truck, I can put all the stuff and go with it before they close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to pause. Um, I would love <laughs> I would actually love to pick this up and do this sure. again. No, absolutely. This is a great show. conversation for me too. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah. All right. All right. So thanks so much for well, your thank time. Thank you. It was a lot and, of fun. Um, I'll put in some stuff in our show okay. notes that are just links to you. And I'm probably going to do a quick introduction since we just okay. sort of jumped right in. And um, if you're good with it, I think my, it. my it. thing is to just like publish this, no editing. Who cares? Uh, yeah. Go with it. Go awesome. with it. All right. It's been a real pleasure. Right. Thank Likewise, you. as always. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Right.